Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Okay, so today uh, I'm going to start by telling you my wife and I, uh, she was, she's always looking at her memories on her phone. She has this app called Time Hop, and it pops up. You know, a year ago today, two years ago today, three years ago today, five, ten. I mean, depending on how long you've been using the app, it could show you your social posts or your pictures from many years ago on this day. And it's always very entertaining to read the stories of your children. Oh, yeah. Life Kids. You should go to that room over there. Yeah, I think they already went. Okay. This isn't my normal gig. Sorry, I forgot to do that. Um, and so she brings these up on, you know, most days and we go through these funny stories. You know, I have a 13 year old, a 10 year old and a six year old, and they still say some pretty funny things. Um, but they've said some really funny things over the years. And so some of these were very reminiscent of what I felt like I was talking about today. Uh, one time we were at youth camp many years ago when we were youth pastors and Jonah right there, who's 10 now, um, walks past this kid, and Cammy says to me, she says, I think Jonah just punched that kid. And I was like, oh, he was probably just giving him a pat on the back. Well, then Jonah walks up and says, I just fed that man a knuckle sandwich. <laughs> you know what a knuckle sandwich is? It's a punch. It's so good, Joe. Now, like, you hear him say something like that, and you're like, where did he get that? And then you realize, every time they say they don't want something for lunch, I ask them if they'd rather have a knuckle sandwich. So, I might have taught him how to punch people. Uh, Cammy tells Jude that it's time to start school. Jude, no! And Cammy says, Jude, what's the alternative? And Jonah says, counseling. So... This kid's just full of it. <laughs> Jude arguing with, with us. Sorry. Jude arguing with us in the morning. I don't know the future. I'm not a musician. Which, now I'm a musician. I wish I could tell. Like, if that was real, I wish I could tell the future. And there's another one that uh, isn't in my notes, but uh, so I'll quote it as best I can. But something's happening, Jude's upset, and he says, man, this is the worst Thanksgiving ever. And I, and I was, like, telling him he couldn't do something. And I said, well, considering it's not even Thanksgiving, I'm good with that. <laughs> it was Valentine's Day. So, <laughs> you know, kids say the craziest stuff. And it's usually because they, they don't have enough information. You know, they don't know enough things. They don't know the right words to say, or they just don't know about something. So he thought it was Thanksgiving, and he's just going to say it, you know? And so I would say that in our lives, we can have what are called blind spots, or what God talked to me about as blind spots. And so I woke up in the middle of the night about a month ago or so, and at the time, I don't even think I knew that I was preaching today. And I woke up in the middle of the night, and I had a strange, like, feeling. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night just a little confused, you know? And you're just kind of like, I don't know, am I awake? Am I asleep? I don't really know what's happening. And you, you have a lot of thoughts just start going through your head. Like, I was thinking about the 
craziest things. I can't even remember what they were. They weren't things that I should be worrying about. They aren't even things I would normally think about. I had a dream the other night that I tried to park my mother-in-law's car in a parking garage that for some reason was underwater. And, and then all of a sudden, I'm like on some lift that takes me to the top and water starts pouring in the top of the car. And then Cammy had to wake me up because she said I was going, no, no, you know, trying to get out. So it wasn't like that. It was like a half dream, half awake thing. And I was very confused. There's a lot of things going on in my head. And I couldn't go back to sleep. And at some point in, in my life, when I've been woken up in the middle of the night, which doesn't normally happen, I'm normally a heavy sleeper, um, I start to wonder, am I up for a reason? Is there something that I'm supposed to be doing right now? Is there something that God wants to tell me right now? And so finally I wise up after about 10 or 15 minutes of just looking around the room like, what's happening? And I say, God, why am I awake right now? Do you have something to say? And instantly I hear the voice of God very clearly say, you have blind spots. And all of the sudden, it's like, again, half asleep, half awake. I'm not saying it's a vision. It's not a dream. It's something in between. I don't really know what it is. But all of a sudden, there's these spots in my vision that I can't quite see through. They're like foggy, murky. It was almost looked like uh, burnt glass, like it was like brownish black, and it was just, it was charred. I couldn't see through it. And no matter how I turned my head, it always stayed in the same spot. I couldn't see this thing whatever it was that was behind the mark. And I felt God say, you have blind spots. And I was like, well, that's what these are. But what are my blind spots, God? And, you know, for me personally, God said, well, we have lots of blind spots. But he's like, but the two I want to talk to you about right now is money and food, which are heavy topics. You know, every year at January, when we fast... I feel fantastic. My wife is juicing. She does an amazing job, like, squeezing juice out of vegetables. I don't even understand how it works. How do you take a solid and just in a machine that just spins and turn it into a bunch of liquid? I don't really understand it. But I drink it, and it's amazing, tastes amazing. I feel fantastic. And every year during prayer and fasting for the last, like, three years, I have felt God not like not like diet brain, not like it's January and, it, you know, I was just like, I got to get serious about my weight. It's not, it wasn't like that. It's like the Spirit of God saying, you need to eat like this. And I resist. I'm like, yeah, but, I mean, life's for living. I mean, come on, guys. I like quick trip food. I mean, we're talking the lowest of the low. I mean, gas station food. I mean, I'm saying it's good for gas station food but it's gas station food. I like that food. And maybe you agree with me. Maybe you think that's gross. I don't really know, but we're talking about God telling me I should be eating super healthy and I'm getting food at the gas station. You know, there's like a chasm in between those two statements. And I resist this. And I say, well, I'll, I'll eat better most of the time. And then I kind of slip back into those old patterns because it's a blind spot. And we get blind spots over time. Sometimes they develop when we're really young. I was raised on sugar. So, I mean, we had this giant cabinet. I mean, nutty bars, 
zebra cakes, every breakfast cereal you could think of. I mean, it had Pop-Tarts. I mean, I remember my family, we would eat Pop-Tarts. You toast them and then put butter on the top, and it soaks in. God bless America. That's what I just heard. <laughs> when we bought ice cream, you couldn't buy just a little paper carton. You got the big plastic tub because you needed enough of it to last all week because we made milkshakes and all the different things. And so I'm raised on food like this, and I get older, and I wonder why I gravitate towards all of these things. It's just something that I don't quite see as clearly as I could because of my blind spot. Sorry, this iPad's not supposed to turn off. And so, and then, and then money. I don't think my parents were amazing with money. I don't remember being taught how to be good with money. I'm better with money today than I've ever been, but that doesn't mean I'm great with it. And so God is saying, I need you to see these things more clearly, but to put a clarifier on that, what does that mean when I say blind spots in this sermon? That is that I want to see things the way that God sees them, not the way that people see them, not the way that I um, naturally want to see them, but how he sees them. There's a song, Hosanna. Anybody know that song? It's an older song. And in the bridge, it says, break my heart for what breaks yours. What a great line. And that's what I'm talking about today in these blind spots. I want to see the world through his eyes. And when I see people, bro brokenness, or when I see beauty, I want to see that not through my filtered lens, but through his eyes. You know, uh, the most common way the phrase blind spots is used is in a car, you know, um, which has gotten better over time. I don't know if you guys remember, my parents had this, uh, like, it was like a 1990s Ford Taurus. Had the automatic seatbelts, the one that, was, that were trying to kill you every time you got into the car. But, you know, they had some wicked blind spots because they had really thick plastic, you know, on the back sides of the car. And then they had those little triangles as if those were supposed to help you see, you know, the car that's like back into the right of you. Not helpful. And now in trucks, semis, you see some of them don't have it, which I'm always scared driving next to a semi that doesn't have the little window at the bottom of the passenger side door so that they can see down to see that, hey, there's a car next to me. Otherwise, you know, we're not tall enough for them to see it. So there's blind spots in cars, and what are those? It's that something is around you that's in a spot that's being covered by something else. And so in our lives, very similar to what I just described, sometimes it's our upbringing, sometimes it's our parents, sometimes it's our surroundings, sometimes it's what we were even taught in the church, create blind spots in our lives where we don't see things the way that God sees them. Let me find this note. So, you know, when we are born, we are instinctually born with blind spots, literally written into our DNA. And that's a hard thing to swallow, that we're born with certain tendencies. You know, my dad has been a part of AA for many, many years and has been alcohol-free since about 20, which is amazing. And he loves to help other people get into that level of freedom. But he just knows this about his life. It used to be a blind spot that he didn't quite see clearly that alcohol had effects 
And you don't see that clearly. Or you're just okay with them. You're just okay with being blind with it. But at some point, God got a hold of his life. And all of a sudden, he sees that clearly now and says, I can't drink that at all. I can't even touch that. And all of a sudden, he sees clearly what God wants to reveal to him about himself even. That might not be true for every person, but it is true for him. And so he has to walk that conviction out. And so there's some crazy teachings that I've heard and some crazy studies about how our behavior actually changes our DNA. Here's uh, an interesting way that it was put on, a, on this website that I was reading. But I've heard this from doctors in different places. You can look it up. It can be easy. This is describing just patterns that can be in our lives. It says, it can be easy to see how parental sin affects children. Those who grow up watching sinful behavior are often more likely to engage in it themselves. Certain sins take parents out of the home or even inhibit their ability to be loving caretakers, setting the children up for possible problems in the future. Addiction often has genetic components. The relatively new field of epigenetics is suggesting that trauma can leave molecular scars on our DNA, and those scars are passed down to the third and fourth generations. Which is very interesting that the Bible actually talks specifically about the third and fourth generations when it talks about sins being passed down through generations. The bottom line is that we are born sinful, that we grow up in a sinful world, and inherently we will pick up blind spots. We have many of them. I just mentioned two of mine. But what we want is we desire for God, through his word, through his presence, here in this room and in our everyday lives, to start to break those blind spots away to start to clear them up so that we can see more clearly. So, I've got this whiteboard here. I don't know if uh, the furthest away people can really see this. But what we have here is we have the beginning. Man, or Adam and Eve, and we have God. And we're connected to God. You know, in 1 Corinthians it says that only three things will remain. Everything else will pass away, but three things will remain, faith, hope, and love. It says, and the greatest of these is love. And there's different scriptures in the Bible that actually talk about this connection to God. In Hebrews 11:16, uh, 11, it says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So, faith. Faith is a connector to God. Hope, they must also believe that he will reward them if he diligently seeks them. And then you have Jesus who sums up the entire gospel and says that all of the laws and everything that was ever written can be summed up by simply saying that you must love the Lord God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. So man is connected to God through these things. But then we know the story. I don't have to quote it to you, but we know the story that Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. They're told not to eat of the tree. And the serpent comes, and he tricks them. But the thing he says is very interesting. He creates a blind spot. What he says is he says that, well, God said this, and he says, no, 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 you're not going to die if you eat from the tree. You'll simply become like him. 
And all of a sudden, he creates a blind spot in Eve in that moment, saying that, don't you want to be like God? Do you think God's trying to, he's trying to say, is God trying to hold you back from being as good or great or wise as him? And all of a sudden, she has a blind spot, and she's no longer seeing God as clearly as she was before. It's getting fancy now. Now I have paper. So all of a sudden, comparison, which steals joy every day these days in in our society. Comparison comes in. Comparison leads to envy. In the Bible, it says that where envy and strife are, every evil work will be there. Envy sets in. She all of a sudden is like, well, I want to be wise like God is wise. All of a sudden, sin comes in. And then the ultimate thing, shame. Shame is what hid them in the garden. They decide to hide from God. And now they're no longer connected to God through these things. They're now separated from him. Not because of God, but because of them. Because they compared themselves to God, they wanted to be like God, they sinned. And that sin brings shame, which brings disconnection. So God comes into the garden, and he says, where are you? God is reaching out to them, saying, where did you go? And their reply is, well, we realized that we were naked, and so we hid. So all of this, the sin, the shame, all of these things, they become blind spots. And now, as you can see, God is no longer the great and powerful, the big God that he was. Now God has been minimized to being just as important as me. He's been shrunk down by all these blind spots. I can no longer see the great grandeur, the faithfulness, the goodness, the love and the grace and the mercy. I can no longer see those things. I just see God shrunk down to this thing, this smaller thing than he really is. I mean, don't we all know that when we feel ashamed, for some reason that feeling can overpower the grace of God. We can feel like, well, you don't know. You don't know how big it is. You don't know what it is. You don't know what I did. You don't know what somebody did to me. You don't know all of the circumstances that surround it. It's so big. And we make it so big that we minimize God. We say that he can't overcome it, but he always can. The problem is it's just a blind spot. And we're not seeing God clearly. And so I will say that, and I'm going to turn this whiteboard around, if I can do that. That was fancy, right? This is my wife's fancy whiteboard. It's very, very fancy. So you probably can't see this, but this is kind of what our life ends up looking like. This is an epically drawn (laughs) off-roading tire. It's got little treads, little things like that. I'm being sarcastic. It looks terrible. But what we have here are we have nails. We've got some lumps. Have you ever hit a curb? I've hit one too many curbs, you know? And sometimes your tire gets a little deformed. You know, you hit it hard enough, it gets a little lump in it. You get nails and screws, and I find them in my driveway all the time. Have to get rid of them. 
in our life, our life can start to look a bit like this. These aren't, you know, I'm, um, this is another way of me visualizing. Uh, again, I'm a visual person. What my life will look like after these blind spots are in my life. Now, you know that there's things in your life that you can feel all the time. Just like when you're driving with a lump in your tire. You feel it all the time. Sometimes you feel it more on a certain kind of curve if that tire is on the outside or the inside. Sometimes you feel it when you go a certain speed. Sometimes you feel it all the time. Especially if your tires are out of alignment or, you know, there's something wrong with them. You can feel that. Just like you can feel trauma in your life. Just like you can feel those childhood wounds or those things that people have spoken over you or those things that have happened. You can feel those. But God, he's supposed to come with his word. You could say that uh, somebody, my, my parents were never happy with me. I'm not saying that. I'm just, that's a hypothetical. My, my parents actually were very in, encouraging. I, I had, you know, so much encouragement. You know, my dad is a, uh, just a edifier. You know, that's what he does. That wasn't something I struggled with. But I know so many people, they felt like they could never please their parents. Felt like they would never be enough. So that becomes a lump. Something you feel in every moment of life. Not just sometimes, you feel it all the time. And then sometimes you start to overcompensate for that thing. You start to try to work harder to fix that thing. But that's not, that never fixes it. Sometimes that starts producing more lumps, overcompensating. Sometimes things happen in our life that are literally just leaking the life out of us. You know, Amy talks about this morning in our huddle, six and a half years they tried to have a baby and that their faith was waning. That trauma of not having a child, of believing for something so long. I know people that have gone through uh, praying for their children or their parents to be healed and they don't get healed. And their faith changes. It becomes a nail in the tire that just starts leaking all of the faith out. And by the end of the drive, they're just feeling so worn and they, they don't know what they believe anymore. There's so many things that happen that get this tire to get all messed up. And we can feel it every day of our lives. But all of a sudden, Jesus, Jesus comes. And he starts doing what Jesus does. Jesus is always, constantly, in the Bible, fixing blind spots. He's constantly telling people, you were told this, but that's not the truth. This is the truth over here. In Matthew 5.20, he says this, But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, this, this is a crazy statement because these are the religious people of the time. These are the guys you see at the front of the church. They're what I'm doing right now. And Jesus is saying a very strong statement that if your righteousness never becomes more than theirs, you're never going to get to heaven. So can anybody say that you have a blind spot in religion, a blind spot in the church, you thought, I'm supposed to do these certain things before God will be happy with me. I have to, um, I've had the feeling, well, I, I committed this bad sin, so it's going to be a number of days before I feel good enough to pray again. 
I, 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 I saw this thing. And now I, I, need to, I need to cleanse my eyes. I need to watch good things now. We create all of these rules to try to fix the trauma, to fix our sin. That's religion. There's none of these rules and regulations. Jesus is saying, you just come to me. Religion's not going to save you. Ceremonies aren't going to save you. Rules and laws aren't going to save you. Only Jesus can save. So in Matthew 5, 43 through 48, he's breaking down one of these things, a, a blind spot that people have. He says, you have heard the laws that say, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as a true child of our Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both evil and the good, and he sends rain to the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. So Jesus is saying, you've been told, in the, even in the church, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I'll say that's definitely what you learn in the world. You know, we, we hear phrases like, well, if somebody fooled me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Fool me three times, and people are like, I'm basically done with you. You know, I, I'm not going to even mess with you anymore. You've, you've messed up too many times. We've also heard you, you can't treat people with kindness that treat you, I don't want to be taken advantage of. Those are lies. Those are blind spots. Jesus said, if somebody basically takes your shirt, give them your coat too. If somebody asks you to walk a mile, walk too. If somebody slaps you on the cheek, turn the cheek, turn the other one and let them slap the other side. These are blind spots that get created in our lives because people tell us, well, you don't want to be taken advantage of. You don't want to talk to that person. They're, they're a bad deal. They, they're, they're into this. They're into that. But didn't Jesus come for those people? Didn't Jesus come for the broken? Didn't Jesus come for the angry and the oppressed and the sad? And uh, th that's the whole point is we're supposed to be a light in the darkness. And so we start to believe these things and then become blind spots, things we don't see like Jesus sees them. We see them like we've been taught to see them. And so as these things happen... Jesus comes. He says, oh, you feel like you're never enough. But no, that's, that's not true. I died on the cross for you. I gave you my entire life. I laid it down for you. He takes that nail out. You say, well, I just don't know if you're going to come through, God. You didn't come through that other time. You didn't come through for my family member. You, you, didn't, you didn't do what I wanted you to do. Pastor Josh talks about this all the time. Then we start to read the Word, starts to renew the fact that we know that God will never leave us or forsake us. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Starts to take those away. We say, well, I, you, don't, you don't know the sin that I have. You, you don't know my past. You don't know my upbringing. You don't know the thing I did five minutes ago. You, you don't know. It says that there's nothing 
on heaven or on earth that can separate us from the love of God. It's gone. And then slowly, he starts to chip away at all these things. And all that's left is a tire. A great looking drawing I did. No lumps, no nails, no screws. Riding down the road, not feeling that thing hitting you every time you hit it. Your faith is renewed, your hope is restored. And all of a sudden, that connection that we talked about to God, God becomes bigger as our blind spots become smaller. Like I said during communion, that's the thing about praise. It might not fix all your problems, but it'll tell you how small they are. All those things of the world just shrink down, and all of a sudden, he gets magnified. And as he gets magnified, we see that he can overcome anything in our lives. And so, I want to do something, you know, different today. And I want you to be bold. This is a participation day, okay? But the thing is, we didn't come here to leave the same. I came here to leave different. I came here to be in his presence. And when I'm in his presence, I want to, I want to become more like him. I want these things to be shed off of me. I don't want these blind spots anymore. And so, if you'd be bold enough, if there, if there is something that as I've been speaking, that you feel like God has laid on your heart, he's saying, this is a blind spot for you. Could be anything. Could be parenting. Could be your marriage. Could be that you had bad examples in your life, things that taught you that it's okay to do certain things or that um, life should look a certain way, but you know it's contrary to what you read in the Bible. There's things from your childhood that you're just, this is just how it is, this is just how I am, but you know that God wants to change it. Would you just be bold and stand up? If there's anything at all that you feel like God wants to clean up those blind spots, and Terry, could you come play the piano? You know, this is a place, I, I say it almost every Sunday, and I say it so sincerely. These are not just words to me. But the Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And He's right here. He's right here in this place. He does not want another day to go by where we are afflicted by these things, where we're not seeing things the way that he wants to see them. Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.